This is the sound of step. Step is a percussive art form which originated among the African-American fraternities and sororities of the 1920s and has grown to be performed in colleges, high schools, and church communities across the country. Today on Talkin' Music, we're talking rhythm. My guest is dancer and composer Maxine Lyle, here to talk about her organization Soul Steps, her musical Step Show the Musical, and one of the more underrepresented art forms of contemporary America. I'm joined today by Maxine Lyle, dancer, choreographer, producer, and founder of Soul Steps, talking to me today from New Jersey. Maxine, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to connect with you. I'm always grateful for technology that we can be we can be chatting and connecting in this way. So appreciate yes. appreciate you making time for that. I want to talk just to start out. I'm wondering if you'll tell us a little bit about Soul Steps. Sure. Soul Steps is a professional African-American step dance company. The focus is on celebrating the art form of step and educating, um, exposing audiences to the history of step and um, and the art form and culture as a whole. So we do a lot of work in schools. We do um, a lot of arts ed based content. I would say perhaps 90% of our content is arts ed um, based. And um, and then we also offer community programming. We offer workshops on STEP. We go into communities that might want to just learn more about where it comes from. And we do lecture demonstrations. So um, it really runs the gamut of things that we that we do. And um, And when we're not teaching young people about step we're working on a musical about step that we're excited to get into the theatrical arena love that and i want to talk about the musical more but first will you tell me a little bit about step where it comes from and a little bit about the history of it sure step is an art form that started among african-american fraternities and sororities on college campuses There's evidence of step going as far back as the 1920s, but at that time they didn't refer to it as step um, in in the way that we do now. It didn't look like it looks nowadays. It was really a means for African-American college students to come together and demonstrate their brotherhood and sisterhood in the face of adversity, right? We're thinking about Jim Crow. We're thinking about, you know, all the the racial oppression and systemic oppression that surrounded African-American campuses. And so STEP was really a way to empower and have a voice within the fraternity and sorority community. Took on different shape as time went on it became a a stylistic way of 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 expressing yourself and uh now it's it's performed competitively now it's a lot of fun to observe but i think that those principles that that it was born out of are still true that it it's very much about connection and solidarity through rhythm 
And that's one piece of the history that I like to share with people when they ask about it. But then STEP is also connected to South African gumboot dancing, which started in the mines of South Africa in the late 1800s. And at that time, South African miners were working in oppressive conditions. They were working in mines that were filled with dirty water and their bosses were not um, too kind, (laughs) that's putting it mildly. And so instead of getting rid of the water that was making the miners sick, they issued tall boots that came up to their knees known as Wellington boots or gum boots. And so these miners worked in those boots all day long. Um, But the challenge on top of the challenge was that they weren't allowed to talk to one another while they worked, they would be beaten or killed. And so they created their own form of communication through rhythm, and they used the sides of the boots to create those beats. So they would slap the the boots and make different um, rhythmic patterns, and that was their way of of talking without their bosses knowing that they were talking. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, those two stories really speak to the perseverance within the African um, people of the African diaspora to use step to use rhythm as a way to stay connected in the face of, of adversity. Yeah. So nicely said, will you, I know we're on the radio, but will you describe what step looks like for us? (laughs) I will accept that challenge. Excellent. (laughs) Step is full body percussion. So um, I always say, if you're familiar with Irish step dancing, which is lower body percussion, step uses the entire body. African-American step uses the whole body to create rhythm. So we clap our hands, stomp our feet, hit our arms and hit our legs. You'll see steppers making different patterns using all different parts of their bodies. Um, And yeah, that's, that's really step in a, in a nutshell. Um, step teams will often create polyrhythms. So they'll have one set of steppers performing one particular rhythm, and then they layer it by having another set of steppers. Maybe, maybe you have one set of steppers clapping your hands to make a beat, and then another set of steppers stomping your feet and hitting your legs to make a rhythm, um, or clapping under the leg, um, or clapping over your head. Um, so I hope that that paints a visual for you of what it can look like. And it's amazing when you see one person stepping, but when you, you know, multiply that by an entire team of people stepping, it's really something impressive and, and at times overwhelming in the very best way. Maxine, I'm curious what your relationship to STEP is. How did you connect to it or where does your connection stem from? I started, well, first of all, I, my first introduction to STEP was when I was a child. Um, Growing up in Newark, New Jersey, you know, um, watching children in my neighborhood stepping and just completely falling in love with it and coming mesmerized by the rhythms that I saw them performing. Um, but I didn't know at that time that it would become a lifelong pursuit of mine. I went on to Williams College, 
um, nestled in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts. And at that time, this was the mid 90s. So now I'm dating myself, but <laughs> there was no step team. There was no such thing as a step team at Williams. And uh, me and some friends of mine decided that we wanted to bring a little bit of home onto that campus with us. And for me personally, it was a way of adjusting culturally to an environment that looked a lot different than where I was from, where I had grown up. And so that became, that, that was really the spark that um, started it all for me. I felt like Step had given me a family, had given me an outlet for self-expression and that was a constant theme in my life. When I was a young girl, I wanted to learn ballet. I wanted to learn tap. But my family, my parents just couldn't afford to send me for those lessons. And so step was really my outlet because I didn't need money to learn how to step. I just needed my body. And I was trained by, you know, it was, it was really a peer-to-peer kind of induction into that world. Um, so when I graduated from college, I felt like that was too important to me to let go. And I wanted to find other people like me who wanted to keep stepping, you know, and I reasoned that if you could be a professional ballet dancer, then why not pursue a professional career in step? So I used that um, English degree, <laughs> put it to some, some use, I guess. Um, my parents were supportive, thankfully. Um, and in 2005, I founded Soul Steps. You mentioned this image of being a kid and seeing Step around you and that being your kind of first exposure to it. Can we talk a little bit about, I know there are studies that say that rhythm is is passed down through generations. Can we speak a little bit about the idea that rhythm is actually in our in our cells? I, I do believe that... Um, that rhythm is intrinsic. Um, I, you know, <laughs> I don't think we were old enough at that time to understand, you know, I was seven years old, eight years old, tapping into that legacy. Um, and I, and certainly at that age, there was no conversation around the history of step. We were kids. We didn't know what we were tapping into, but, um, but there were rhythmic games that we used to play where we would have these uh, stomp and very basic stomp and clap patterns and we would put chants over them and they were sort of handed down from one I guess generation if you will to the next so that when I would link up with kids from other communities they happened to know the same chants that I had learned in my community and there is no explaining that you know I just think or or I should say it's such a complex transference of of rhythmic power um it's hard to explain what that is exactly but i'd like to believe that um that we're tapping into what our our ancestors left us with and gave us you know and that really again that stayed with me too as i got older when we were in college we named our step team in college sankofa which means looking back in order to know where you're going. And I think that that was just happening for us um, as a, you know, happening for me as a seven-year-old girl growing up in Newark, New Jersey, stomping and clapping, you know, on my block in the summertime, I was tapping into something that was so much larger than me. And I do believe as I go around to schools and see other young people 
also tapping into that same power that that legacy is continuing on. Yeah. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because I'm curious about the education piece of it. And if that, just what your hope is by educating people about STEP, by bringing STEP into schools and communities. It's interesting because when we go into communities that are predominantly African-American and we share STEP, I think for me, the intention feels a little different than when we go into communities that are predominantly white or have no no knowledge of what STEP is. Um, in both cases, we are... Our, the intent is to share the, the history in the hopes that we will create cultural bridges in the community at large. Yeah. But when we are working with predominantly African-American communities, my intention in sharing the history is to empower and to offer these young people a window into a part of their culture and, and help them to see that this is something that that they, they can take claim to that belongs to them a lot of young people are are just like me when they they didn't know the history of step you know i didn't know the history of step as a child and a lot of these young people ha- don't necessarily understand the depths of it and so my hope is just to empower them with that history and to help them to understand that this is something that is of value you know i think sometimes we disregard especially when we're young um, the the value of what we're doing and to bring it into a school community and have these institutions validate the art form as well and say, we're making time for this. You know, we're canceling your math class today so that you can have a step workshop. I think for people of color, for African-Americans in particular, it it's it's very affirming. Now, when we go into predominantly white communities, I'm hoping that sharing that legacy offers them a window into how we we are we are all connected through rhythm as you said rhythm being intrinsic right the heartbeat if if your rhythm stops then you die um and helping them to understand the ways in which the the points of intersection for us in society but also i'm hoping like I said before, just to create cultural bridges of understanding. I think in order to create unity in in the community, we need to start from a place of understanding. And it's fascinating. You have to come and just watch one of these school shows. When we talk about, for example, the history of gumboot, and you think, oh, maybe this is too much for them, or maybe they're, you know, maybe we're the, losing them and they're not focused on what we're sharing. Always, when we get to the question and answer period of our program, they want to know more. Why couldn't they talk? Why weren't they allowed to? Why did their bosses restrict them from talking? And how did they develop this code? They, they're so inquisitive about that particular piece of the history. It lets me know that the, the, the seeds we're planting are landing. And they are thinking about how they relate in the world and that the world is so much larger than than just one person or one culture. Yeah, so nicely said. I think, too, there's something about um, getting into your body. I think there's something about lessons you learn in a, in a physical sense when you're embodying this sort of history and this story and this rhythm. It's becoming a part of you in a way that it might not otherwise if you were being, you know, taught from a, from a slideshow or taught from a book. I think there's something about being in your body. 
yes, no books here. We get them on their feet. We very much support the idea that that we are not simply to be gawked at on stage. We tell the audience up front that they are a part of what we do because that's really a cool aspect of the step culture is that the audience helps to make the show. Let's, can we talk about the musical a little bit? Sure, yes. Tell me where the idea for the musical came sort of amidst this other work that you're doing to educate and expose people to step. Where did the, where did the idea for a musical come from? The vision for the musical is that we follow the journey of a college freshman who arrives at a fictional, historically black college campus and is seeking to find a voice for herself through step, which may sound slightly familiar, (laughs) except the HBCU part. She's seeking to find a voice for herself through step and also carry forward her grandfather's legacy uh, who we find out he was he was a student there at um, in the 1940s. And so the show moves back and forth, gives us these these um, these little clips of what her grandfather's experience was in the 1940s with step and how he used step as a mouthpiece to push against segregation. And we juxtapose that with who she is in today's world as a young black woman on a college campus, you know, facing all of the, the political and social and cultural things that a young person nowadays has to face. Um, and we just look at steps role in both, in both of those journeys. And, and really it's a, it's an intergenerational coming of age story um, with step at the center. And I love that because it ties back so nicely to how you started the interview, which was talking about, you know, the history of step, um, the history of gumboot, and now how it's become something different, how there's step competition, how there's step troops, how there's, it's a really, um, yeah, it's exactly what you were speaking to. I feel like, um, how is it, how is it going? it's it's phenomenal it's it's been such a rewarding experience and I truly mean that to work on this as hard as it's been you know I'm a I would call myself a a first-time playwright in that I've never written a musical before I didn't this this has been a lot to to you know bite off um but I I have learned that there were hidden talents that I have that I didn't know I had. Um, uh, An example of that is that, you know, I thought I wasn't the composer. I didn't, I think, I thought I would need to bring someone else in to help write the music because I'm not a traditional um, composer. Um, I guess you could call me a percussionist, you know, a body percussionist, but I don't think of myself as a composer in the traditional sense. Um, And I was trying to work with others. And one day the director on the show turned to me and said, you know, you're doing a lot of this composing here. The musical director is helping to arrange, but you're the composer. And uh, (laughs) that was, again, the push that I needed to, um, to take that on. So it's been so much fun for me to dabble in songwriting and you know, I have a, a great team of arrangers who work with me and understand my style and the way my brain works as a body percussionist. So yeah, I would say it's been it's been a rewarding experience. And the challenge is that we continue to push forward as the little engine that could to find the resources um, to get the show out into the world. 
because our ultimate goal for the show is Broadway. And as you know, Broadway is, you don't just, you know, saunter in there. It's, it, there's a lot of work involved with getting to that stage. Um, and maybe it's even harder now that we've, fa- we've gone through this pandemic but we are continuing to push forward and just look for opportunities to get the work developed um, in our own way and time. It seems to me like the musical is very much an effort to give some recognition to step in the musical world, in the dance world. I'm wondering if you'll speak a little bit to the professional dance world and in particular the sort of racial demographic of that world um, and where we're at with that right now. Yeah, I, I feel that STEP has not been given enough credit for, um, you know, being the valuable art form that it is. And when I started Soul Steps, I felt like people were looking at STEP as a casual pastime, which, you know, it's so much deeper than that. And I think, you know, even when we were trying to get into certain studios back when we first started, we took it for granted that there would be spaces for us. And so we would rent with studios and eventually got priced out of really popular studios in Manhattan um, that felt like we were being too loud. Their studios didn't know what to do. They, they didn't have the space to accommodate us. So, you know, when you have even five people in a room stomping you know, all at the same time, that is a loud, <laughs> that is a loud sound. And so eventually we were getting pushed out of places that didn't want us there. They didn't want our business um, because they felt that we were too disruptive. Um, and so it took, I, I still think quite honestly that we have a way to go. I think it's getting a little bit better now where, you know, um, body percussion as an art form is getting more recognition but i i think that and there are some studios that that focus on body percussion um but i think that we have a long way to go um you know even with fellowships as a as a choreographer it's very hard for me to find fellowships that are appropriate for me because so many institutions want someone with a modern dance background. Um, and, you know, and, and if you don't have that, you're looked at as less than in some cases. Um, so I think that we still have a way to go and I'm hoping that the work I do with soul steps and with the musical, um, will actually push the, the, the barrier for that, the boundaries, Yeah, that's so important. Thank you for sharing that, Maxine. Really appreciate it. Um, With that in mind, you've mentioned, you know, a decent amount of about STEP and what you do with Soul Steps being educational, being about building cultural bridges. February is obviously Black History Month, and I'm wondering if you will speak to the value of dedicating time to honoring Black history in this country, but also possibly the shortcomings of isolating this recognition to one single month. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, Black History Month is our busiest month of the year in Soul Steps. Um, it's the month that everyone wants to <laughs> book um, the step show to come into their community. And while we are thankful for 
that platform. We also encourage places. I have this conversation all the time with people who want to book with us. You know, we're available, you know, all year round. And Black history, um, while important, doesn't only need to be celebrated in the month of February for 28 days. And so, you know, that's been a constant push since the company started in 2005. Like that's been something we've had to push against for a long time. Um, And I'm concerned that Black History Month is losing some of its I guess I'm, I'm looking for the right word here. I just feel like we're, I don't feel like there are as many places as there used to be that are focused on celebrating Black History Month. I, I would love to see more happening, even in the way of, you know, I can think about five years ago, there were more commercials, you know, um, during the month of February, honoring Black stories. And I see fewer of those now. So I, in Soul Steps, we are trying to do two things. We're pushing against that and, and hoping to keep Black history at the forefront of people's minds and celebrate a part of Black history that people may not even be aware of, you know, which is step. But then also in our work, the other 11 months of the year, we're, we're also trying to bring light to the fact that it's important to celebrate black history all year because honestly black history is American history. So we should be embracing it all year. So nicely said, I'm wondering too, if you'll speak to um, the, the difference between honoring and tokenizing a little bit. It's interesting that you asked that because when working with young people, we have a curriculum that we use that talks about appropriation and the difference between um, honoring and looking on something and celebrating it versus appropriating it without giving due credit. Yeah, I think uh, that is a truly hard question. It's a slippery slope, you know, tokenism. I think well-meaning people sometimes fall into that trap. Well-meaning organizations and institutions sometimes fall into that trap. I know there have been times when I have um, walked off of a stage and wondered if that's the role that we were playing, you know, um, uh, or if the, the place that had brought us in really was authentic about wanting to celebrate Black history as American history, and if it's something that they were committed to doing all year round. I'm going to be honest, I think that it's still quite hard to identify sometimes which is which, but what gives me relief is when I have long-term relationships with institutions or organizations, that, that, that feels different to me. That feels like the honoring, not the tokenism, because these are institutions that are committed to building with us, growing with us and, you know, partnering with us over a period of time versus, you know, we just needed some programming to check off a box. And now we can say that we did this and we're moving on, Uh, you know, just to clarify, I'm not saying that those one-off opportunities, you know, in all cases are that, you know, are tokenizing us, but I, 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 breathe a sigh of relief when I have long-term relationships built with institutions. And we do have quite a number of them. So I'm thankful for that. 
Yeah, so nicely said. And I think you bring up a great point that we're still figuring it out. It's still very much in in process. And I appreciate you giving your insight because, you know, I don't know that there is an answer even to that question, but I, I appreciate hearing from you, your perspective on it. So thank you, Maxine. To close out the show, Maxine, I would just want to thank you so much for all that you've shared with us. I'm curious. I loved this this thing you said about step being a form of of communication historically and still to this day. And and it sounds like when you watch a step performance, you're watching communication happen between those performers, those dancers as well. And I'm um, curious if you had to distill it, what are you trying to communicate with the work that you're doing or or what is at the essence of the work that you do? I honestly, you know, I I think what I want people to take away from my work when I'm on stage and, you know, when I'm behind the scenes is that there's more that, that binds us than divides us. And rhythm is a, a great illustration of that. And you don't necessarily need to understand the words to feel that connection. Right. So even for people literally who are in the audience, who are just witnessing it, you don't need to know how to step to feel the same thing I feel when I'm on stage, when I'm making the the thud, the stomp, right? That thunderous sound on stage and you're sitting and watching it. You don't need to know how to do it to feel it. It's just the rhythm that connects us. We just heard from educator, composer, and dancer Maxine Lyle joining me today on Talkin' Music. To find out more information about Step Show the Musical or Maxine's other educational work, you can visit her website, soulsteps.com. You can also follow Soul Steps on Instagram at soulstepsllc. Thanks, as always, for listening to your Mountain Grown Community Radio.